I'm Victoria, a Catholic wedding photographer. And I'm Joe, a Catholic wedding videographer and photographer. And we're Catholic wedding professionals who love working with brides on this journey toward marriage. As married women ourselves, we totally remember all that goes into preparing for the wedding day. All the stresses and obstacles, and we're here to help you through it all. In this podcast, we'll cover topics like planning out a timeline, Catholic wedding traditions, and more. Our hope is that you'll find this podcast helpful in both your wedding planning and marriage preparation. Know that we are praying for you and your fiancé as you plan and prepare. Welcome Welcome to the Catholic Catholic Wedding Wedding Podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the Catholic Wedding Podcast. It is Joe here as ever, um, except today I'm joined by a very special guest who I'm so excited to introduce to you um, because she's, you know, a dear friend, but she's also family. So (laughs) um, today's episode, I'm so excited to have on my sister-in-law, Alexa. Hi, thank you for having me. Of course. So Alexa, we've had so many people comment in our Facebook group and on our Instagram page about how they were looking for some some guidance and advice and tips on like how to manage family dynamics while they're wedding planning. And Mm -hmm. you were somebody that I thought of because like I know like kind of your background. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. this would be like the perfect person to ask to come on the episode and talk about this. Um, yeah. So that's kind of our topic today is talking about kind of how to like manage slash deal with family dynamics, which I feel okay. like is kind of ironic because we are family. So like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I love, I love the topic of family dynamics because family is everything. Like you see it in all aspects of your life. So it's not just like, you know, your individual stuff is usually happening because of stuff that's happening with family. So it's it's important to touch on. Yeah. So do you want to just like take a second and introduce yourself? Um, mm-hmm. Tell like our listeners who you are, what you do. Yeah. Okay. So I'm Alexa. I am a registered mental health counselor right now. So that means I have a master's in clinical mental health counseling. Um, I specialize in mostly like anxiety, depression, divorce adjustment, some family dynamics you work in there. Um, And I really, right now I'm working more with like children, adolescent, young adult age group, but I have some experience working with adults in outpatient and group settings, um, in primary care settings, hospital settings. So um, lots of like vast experience working with lots of different age groups. So That's awesome. Um, And I know like while you were getting your master's, you like had internships with like a lot of different like age groups and stuff too. So I know that that's. Yeah. Yeah. I interned in a place that did um, (laughs) my supervisor said from in the womb to in the tomb. So we saw all ages Um, and there were a lot of really cool life changes in some of like the early adults into like your early. uh, I don't want to say um, like elderly years, but like, you know, that like middle-aged adult, that's kind of, that's hard for some people too. And a lot of people in that age group are getting divorced, getting remarried, starting new, you know, career paths and it impacts on their family life too. So I'm not a specialized family therapist, but I think because I work with so many children and adolescents, like kind of have the family roped in, it's really hard to work with somebody and not work with the family. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think this will be a great episode. Cause like I said, we do have so many people that ask like, Hey, how do I deal with like a difficult 
future mother-in-law or, you know, um, father-in-law or, you know, siblings-in-law, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like there's just, and, and a lot of it, you know, comes with like planning a wedding. There's, there's a lot of investment of time and money for not just the couple, but their families as well. So Mm -hmm. I guess like just get us to get us started off. Like what would your advice be to a bride that is having difficulty with, like a really overbearing family during wedding planning? I think that weddings have become so political in the last, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years. And so like every single tiny move you make in wedding planning is monitored by your family or the people who are supplying the money for it or your family, family, right? There's a lot of obligation to invite certain people to have certain traditions there. And a lot of them don't really really align with like personal values and beliefs in people our age or even a little bit older than that anymore because things have changed, right? Modern wedding planning now is so different. It's all electronic. There's not as much paper. Um, and people are like willing to take risks with their decor and their flowers and their themes. And so it's like so much more than just family aspect. And I think that's where it becomes really muddy because families almost feel this sense of entitlement in wedding planning because it's, they're, you're my daughter or you're my son, right? I have a say in what you do. And I think in some aspects they do, depending on, right, like what their financial obligation is in the wedding or how involved you'd like them to be. Um, mm-hmm. But it's really, really easy to get lost and kind of just let people take the reins for you. I think because the thought of wedding planning is just so overwhelming in general. Um, so I would honestly say from the very, very beginning, my biggest advice is set very clear expectations from the very beginning of what this wedding is going to entail, what each person's role is going to be, and set expectations for how that role may change, but only when you and your significant other feel like it needs to change. You know, like the clearest expectations that you can start off at the beginning, it really prevents miscommunications from happening or disagreements. Um, So just as clear and upfront as possible from the very start. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense too, because then you're like right at the beginning of your engagement. Of course, after you and your future spouse kind of have that conversation about, you know, the expectations and boundaries you want to set. Like I remember calling mom shortly after we got engaged and was just like, Hey, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know if you were planning on contributing anything financially, but I just want you to know, like, respectfully, we don't want any money from you. You know, I wanted to call mom and like, let her know that ahead of time. That way she and dad knew that they were off the hook, but also they kind of knew like the expectations, like, okay, we don't have any financial investment in this. So we might not have any or as much say in the decisions that are made because we don't have the financial investment, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. And I think that when there's financial strings in the wedding planning, um, they feel like there's an obligation there. So like if they were to say, okay, we're going to pay for the reception. Well, then, you know, if we're thinking about it in fairness here, if they're going to pay for the reception, then they might feel like they get a say in who's on the guest list or what kind of food you're serving or how long it lasts. Or I mean, like what the tablescape looks like, right? And for some people, that has to happen because weddings are expensive and people want to help or people need the help. And that's okay too. But I think setting those clear expectations at the beginning, being like, okay, if mom and dad are going to help and we're going to take this support from them, then we also have to understand that they're going to want some wiggle room there. But 
that's not to say that it's okay for them to take over because it's not their wedding. So a clear cut boundary there would be really important. Like, okay, we're going to, we're going to have you help us with the food and the reception, but just the food, you know, or, Hey, we would love your help and we would love your support with the reception, but we want to keep it small. So you guys can invite 10 people, you know, like set a clear boundary there that everybody kind of has a compromise and wins. That is actually, I feel like really, really good advice. So you're not like cutting off your parents altogether being like, thanks for the money, but we're going to invite who we want. But also like, Hey, like, thank you so much for the contributions that you're able to make. We do desire to have a more intimate wedding day. Here's the number of like, you can have like one table, which is usually like eight or 10 people. Yeah. Um, you know, one table of your friends, you know, and then the rest mm-hmm. will, you know, decide prayerfully who we want to invite. I think that's like a great way to kind of set that boundary, let mom and dad have some autonomy to kind of make a decision for who they want to invite, but still like protect yourselves as a couple, you know, so yeah. that you can still have the the wedding that you desire because the truth is, yeah, it is your wedding day, not your parents. It is. And I think that that gets lost a lot of the time while you're planning because it's like, oh, well, when I got married, we did this. Or for our wedding, we had this. Or I remember when we were picking food for our wedding, grandma was like, well, we served sandwiches at ours. Sandwiches were great. And we were like, that's great. But this, we want something a little different, you know? Wait, did they really serve sandwiches at their wedding? Uh, I think at mom and dad's wedding, they had like deli platters. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I had no idea. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's kind of funny. It was either theirs or mom and dad's, but they had deli platters and they were like, it was great. It fed so many people and it was like the least expensive option. And Joseph and I were planning, we're like, that's great, but we kind of want steak and chicken. So we're going to go with that option instead because that's what we can afford right now, you know? Yeah. Uh, That's so funny. I didn't know that. But I've also (laughs) like, I've seen the footage from mom and dad's wedding day from their Mm -hmm. um, videographer and like you could see all of the work that the all of the extended family had to do for their wedding too. Like I think their wedding was very DIY, which makes sense, right? Like I think they got married yeah. in 1990, I think. Yeah. Um. So it was very much like everybody come together, like everybody pitch in, like we're going to do this really affordably. And like you could see all of the work that they did for it. But, you know, and I, I'm pretty sure that like grandma did most of the planning for mom and dad's wedding. I think she did. And I think that, Correct me if I'm wrong. I think that's when she took her wedding planning course or her event planning course. Did she? Yes, I think so. So I think that kind of like trickled down because Mm -hmm. grandma planned mom's wedding. You know, mom kind of had a sense of like, oh, well, because my mom planned my wedding, I need to plan my daughter's wedding. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's where, you know, for us, we kind of had to come to like some communication of like, hey, I'm in this industry. I know what I'm doing. I know what we want. Thank you, but we're going to take care of it kind of thing. So anyway, all that to say, yeah, yeah, setting those boundaries um, early on, I think is really important too. And there are some really cool resources that can like not teach you how to set boundaries, but make you aware to the different kinds of boundaries that there are. So like you have three main types of boundaries. You've got porous boundaries, which are like uh, I think of like a sponge, like there's like a lot of little pores in the sponge. So they're very open, they overshare. Um, they're very like nosy and everybody's business. And then you have like the people who are really rigid where it's like, they don't have many friends. They don't share much about themselves. They're kind of like really mysterious. And then you kind of have a healthy, which is like a mix of in between. And I think with wedding planning, a lot of times parents tend to fall more porous in terms of boundaries because there is that sense of, oh, this is my child. 
there's an obligation mm-hmm. there. That makes so. sense. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So in other situations, sometimes I feel like there are family members that uh, tend to cause a little drama Always. between each other. <laughs> Sure. Why? I don't know, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> you know, for example, like sometimes there's, it could be like a situation of divorced parents or cousins that don't talk to each other anymore because of something that happened years ago, or I don't know, a whole other myriad of family drama and family dynamics that causes a lot of frustration for couples. Um, so what, like, what, what would your advice be to like family drama like that? Like how, how would slash should a couple kind of handle slash approach that? So like specifically with a divorced family or just like uh, sibling drama, like what kind of. Yeah. I mean, I guess let's start with maybe like a situation of divorce and then maybe we can okay. talk about like sibling stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So like with situations of divorce, I would say it is important to communicate with everybody. So all people that are going to be involved communicate in terms of like, okay, if mom and dad are divorced and they both have new spouses or new, uh, you know, significant others, what are we going to do to either include them or not include them? Right. I think too, like, this is a really important conversation to have with your fiance and say like, who do we want to have major roles in this wedding? Who do we want to be part of our day? If dad has just started dating this girl and you don't know her, it's okay to say that you don't want her there. And I think that that's like so taboo. So many people are like, no, 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 I have to invite these people. But you don't. And if dad has a problem with that, then dad's entitled to his feelings. But at the end of the day, that's a struggle that dad is having. Because if you have come to terms with the fact that you only want people there that you love, you support and you care about, and you've just met this person, then it's okay to say no. Right. And have that conversation with dad. And I think there's a way to have that conversation. And there's a way to be like, no, you're not invited. I don't like her. Right. Cause that comes across so differently than dad. I really want this to be intimate. And I don't know Shelly very well. And I think that maybe she can come to the day after party or she can come to another event, but I want this just to be family, you know? Yeah. Which makes a lot of sense. And like, I mean, this is just speaking from like a photo video standpoint too, but you know, the people that you have there are going to be in your photos and they're going to be in your film. So if you have family portraits, let's say after mass, like another way I've seen this kind of happen is if it is a situation of divorce, like we'll do one picture without the girlfriend or boyfriend of mm-hmm. mom and mom or dad. And then another picture with, because you just never know, like they're not yeah. married yet. So you don't want yeah. somebody who is like not going to be around in your forever wedding family pictures, you know? Yeah, you never know. And also like, I think a lot of question comes like, where do we seat them? Where do, do you know, like, okay, this person can't talk to this person, this person, mom doesn't get along with the new girlfriend or vice versa. So like taking all of that into consideration too, thinking about where the focus of the day is going to be. If the people there are not going to be able to focus on the reason that they're there and they're so entwined with the family drama, and it might not be worth it to have them there. You know, mm-hmm. I think the separate pictures are a really great idea. And too, like, you can always have, um, and maybe they, maybe they would oblige to it just because, you know, they're your parents, but even the divorced parents, I think it's still nice to have them take a photo with their child on their wedding day, even if they don't get along. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully they get along well enough that you're able to take a picture with 
both of your parents yeah. together. Yeah. Cause yeah. that would be really special Yeah, to be able to have that. Okay. Let's talk about like cousin or sibling drama. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, cousin so-and-so made cousin so-and-so really mad one Christmas or something. I don't know. Like, how do you handle that drama? You could have a conversation with the cousin. You know, you could kind of be outright with them and say, look, I'm really thinking about inviting you to this wedding, but I need to know that you are not going to stir anything up or stir the pot or start drama because we don't want this day to be about your problem with Uncle Kevin. Like we really want it to be about the two of us getting married. You could also set them at different tables. You could uh, invite other people to act as a buffer at each of the tables, you know, to kind of keep them away. Um, Or if mom and dad are involved in the planning, you can let them talk to their siblings and say, look, this is my child's wedding. You're not going to come if you're going to be disruptive. That's a really good friend. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. I had a really good friend get married um, right before COVID. And her mom and dad are divorced. And there's a lot of drama between um, some of the family members. And one of them actually started a fight during cocktail hour. And the bride had no idea because everybody did a really good job at keeping it, you know, not in her kind of peripheral view there. Um, But he was asked to leave, you know, and he was very disruptive and he put on this big fight. um, And then it took weeks for him to kind of realize like, oh, that wasn't right. You know, like this wasn't about me. I think if those expectations had been communicated clearly before, it wouldn't have had to happen. You know, he would have been able to kind of equip himself with, okay, I know so-and-so is going to be there. I know we don't get along. What can I do to cope with my frustration? What can I do to distract myself? Who can I bring to make me feel comfortable? Because then they can prepare for it too. Yeah. That's a really good point too. Like if you're not if you are involved in the family drama to some extent, like not being blindsided by it, I think is really, really helpful. Like being aware of, oh, okay, this person is going to be there. We have history. Okay. I can kind of emotionally and mentally prepare myself for that. So I think it's also Mm -hmm. like doing a service to the people that are involved in the drama by saying, hey, by the way, I know you have beef with this person, but (laughs) they're coming too because they're family. Yes. Yeah, so. give them a heads up because honestly, the people that are going to RSVP and the people that are going to come and celebrate you are the people that are not going to get let anything else get in the way of celebrating you. So usually if there is a conflict there and somebody is not willing to be selfless and say, this isn't about me, this is about somebody else, they're not going to come or hopefully they would make that decision to not come. I think with siblings though, it gets a little bit dicey there because you're very comfortable with your siblings. So they don't really have a filter in terms of like, I don't like this. I don't want to wear this. Right. Um, so-and-so isn't being nice. They're not helping plan all the extra events, especially if they're part of a wedding party. I think siblings is where it gets a little bit tricky because then it's like almost like they can tell, or they can like talk to your parents and, um, you know, and then it kind of travels around the family and that's never fun. Yeah. I think sometimes like, because I'm in a lot of like bridal suites while like Mm -hmm. they're getting ready. I think a lot of times I'll see not a lot, but it does happen sometimes where you'll see like sisters of the bride, uh, get really jealous, or maybe they think the day is about them and they're like, not, you know, it could even be the maid of honor and the maid of honor, you know, has certain responsibilities as a maid of honor and they're not doing like, 
they're not fulfilling those duties as maid of honor because they're more concerned with how they look and what's going on with their dress and I don't know their own stuff. And so it is interesting sometimes to just kind of like see the sibling dynamic and like how brides handle that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of people, you know, wedding planning is really stressful leading up to it. Um, and I think that sometimes when we're stressed, our emotions can get the best of us and we snap and, you know, maybe we are not the kindest in how we approach things. And it's not, I always tell people an explanation is really helpful in understanding the deeper meaning of what's going on in a situation, but it's never an excuse for the behavior, right? So even though we know the bride is really stressed and that she's kind of on edge and she's wanting to make sure everything is perfect, even though it's maybe not okay if she snaps or maybe not okay if she says something rudely to us, it's also not okay for us to retaliate and take that out on her on the day of or not help her with something because, oh, she was so rude to me during this planning process. I don't even want to deal with her anymore. You know, like that's a selfish problem for you, not for the bride anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I know like wedding planning, like you said, is stressful. It's a lot. And one thing that can help during the wedding planning process is to have somebody to kind of like take the reins. If you're feeling very overwhelmed with planning in general, and like you're, you're dealing with like family details and maybe there's like wedding details that you're just finding that you want help with while they won't be able to like help with the family stuff, but they are going to be able to help guide you and take over some of like the bigger wedding planning details um, so that you don't have to worry about it. White Lily Weddings is actually sponsoring today's episode. Um, and Marie, who is their lead wedding planner, has a group of amazing Catholic wedding planners um, that cover the entire country. And they're just amazing at what they do and really walking with you and praying with you through, through the wedding planning process. Um, to kind of set you up for success for your wedding day itself. So if you mentioned that you found out about White Lily Weddings through the Catholic Wedding Podcast, they actually include a free second day of coordinator for you. So just a great way to to have some help and support if you are feeling very overwhelmed with this whole wedding planning thing. Alexa, another situation um, that I think is really difficult and also like a very real reality for a lot of couples um, is when they've lost a, a family member um, or someone close to them has passed away, whether it's like a, a parent or sibling or a grandparent or something. Um, there's a lot of emotions that kind of set in when the realization comes that they are not going to be at the wedding. Um, so like, do you have any advice for someone who's kind of like dealing with that set of, of grief? Grief is never linear. Uh, for a really long time, you know, we thought that the stages of grief happened one after another. And really, it's it's so fluid. Grief can come and go day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. And it doesn't matter how long the person's been gone. Because when you think about these big major moments in your life and you want them there, the reminder is that they're not going to be there. And I don't think that that, that is an easy process at all. Um in terms of preparing yourself for that, I think doing anything and everything you can to honor them on that day um, and put little pieces of them with you can be really special. I've seen, um, you know, people use the same flowers as a grandmother who's passed did at their wedding, That's which sweet. is really sweet, right? Or you've probably seen like the picture frames that go around the bouquets. Those are beautiful. Incorporating pieces of, you know, their day that reminds you of them can be really, really special. Um, but also like 
take a moment to check in with yourself and all the hustle and bustle. I think that we get really distracted, especially in that last week and the day of it just flies by so fast. Take a moment by yourself that day, that morning, that afternoon, whenever you have a moment to yourself and just kind of check in and be like, okay, how am I doing right now? What can I do to improve my mood? What kind of thoughts can I have or affirmations can I say that remind me I'm in the right place at the right time, exactly where I need to be. And that that person is with me in multiple ways because I've made sure to put them in all of these different areas of this special day. Um, I don't think it's easy. And I think allowing yourself to be sad, allowing yourself to feel those feelings and have grace with those feelings is probably the biggest thing you can do for yourself that day. That's really, really hard. I think something that's helpful from a spiritual standpoint, just based on the, the virtue of the fact that, uh, you know, we're, we're talking to Catholic couples here who are having, you know, presumably a Catholic wedding mass, you know, the, the beautiful thing about mass is like the, the moment of consecration and during the liturgy of the Eucharist, like the heavens and the earth are opened up and all of the saints and all of the angels are present at every mass. And it kind of like rips open this like fabric of space and time, uh, to celebrate in the mass. And so everyone who has ever passed away before us and like everyone who is already in heaven, like a celebrating mass with us, um, which I think is just a really beautiful reminder to, you know, to us who are here on the earth, you know, the church uh, militant um, who are still fighting the good fight is a good reminder. Like the church triumphant is still celebrating uh, with us at every mass. And that includes your wedding mass. And that's just like a beautiful reminder that, um, you know, they are celebrating with us, even if they're not you know, physically here, they're here spiritually. Yeah. <clears throat> Is it okay to share a personal story? I was just about to ask if you wanted to share that. Yeah. 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 I, if you yeah. are comfortable okay. sharing your grandma, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask, I was going to ask if you felt comfortable. I think that's a, I think <laughs> no, that's a great I, one to share. Yeah. I would love to. Okay. So, uh, when we were wedding planning, um, I don't know if we said that Joseph was my husband, but your brother, Joseph is my husband. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when we were wedding planning, um, my grandma was very, very sick, my mom's mom. Um, and we were wedding planning probably six months prior to COVID, throughout peak COVID, and then we got married like right as that first hurdle of COVID had ended. The vaccines were released like two weeks before our wedding. And in that time, grandma got really, really sick and she was in and out of the hospital and a nursing home and a rehab center. And but she was always, we could always call her, we would talk on FaceTime, like all that stuff. My aunts and uncles got her an iPad and like would move it with her wherever she had to go, which was really sweet. Um, and I remember calling her the day before. So the rehearsal dinner, we called and we like FaceTimed and we were talking and um, because obviously she was too sick to come and it, too, too high risk. Um, and I, I don't think I would have wanted her to risk that anyway. So we were talking and uh, my grandma was a very sassy lady, very, very sassy. And so I asked her, I said, are you going to call me tomorrow? And she was like, why would I call you tomorrow? I said, grandma, tomorrow's my wedding. She said, I'm just kidding. Of course, I'm going to call you. So wedding day comes around, we're getting ready. And I'm like about to put my dress on. And I was like, oh my gosh, call grandma. This is going to be the time. And she didn't answer. So we called again and again and again, and she never answered. And I remember feeling so, so angry and not necessarily angry with her, but angry with God in the way that, okay, you've already made it to a point where the world is shut down. So half the people we want to come can't come. One of the only people that I wish were here, truly, truly here getting ready with me. She's not here either. She's incredibly sick. Why can't you make her available to answer the phone? Right. I was just like, 
all these questions were forming. Why? The what ifs? Like, oh my God, what's going on? She never called. And my uncle got a call right before I walked down the aisle that grandma had had a major stroke and was pretty much brain dead. So she was kind of on life support um, and they were going to pull the plug. And I did not know until the morning after. So I spent all night not actively thinking about it, but when I would look around and wouldn't see her, I'd get pretty upset and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe she forgot. Can't believe she didn't answer. And then the next morning, when my mom told me what happened, she like knocked on our hotel room the next morning uh, and let us know I was devastated. And I felt so guilty that I was so angry. Um, And then she ended up passing on the, we got married on the 12th. She had a stroke and then she passed on the 14th, I believe. And so it was like very, very quick after. So on the 14th, I got my, uh, what do you call those? Like your, your preview pictures? Back? Yeah. Like sneak peeks. Yeah. Yeah. So I got, a, I got a few sneak peeks from our photographer and she sent me some beautiful pictures of us um, on the kneelers and uh, one particular picture, there was this like incredibly bright light shining at like the top right corner and almost completely covered our faces, but the light shone into an empty pew, an empty like spot in the pew. And I knew that was her sitting there and like instant relief and instant just calmness washed over me when I saw that photo. Um, and you know, it was like, Oh, you were there the whole time. I'm sorry. I was mad at you. You know, I know you had better things to do or better places to be. So thanks for coming. Yeah. Yeah. That's so sweet. I, um, yeah, I remember like we were all kind of like oblivious to that going yeah. on, like on your wedding day. Cause we were all getting ready with you too. Um, and I remember how emotional it was for you, for you and Joseph, like when you guys got that picture back. And so just, yeah. just a really beautiful reminder that like the, the Lord is good um, and the Lord yeah. is kind and, and at mass, yeah, the, the heavens are, are opened up for us. And they're there. I think loss too, in general, when you talk family dynamics. So there's this interesting phenomenon that people don't talk about enough where um, it's called ambiguous loss. Ambiguous meaning person has not physically left this earth. Okay. So they're still here, but they have either, they've moved away. They've gone to college. They've gone to jail, right? Like there's like, they're here, but they're not here. They're mentally, uh, you know, not capable of being physically here or physically they cannot be. And I think people don't realize that when you get married, your parents experience ambiguous loss. Mm -hmm. There is a part of them that they are giving willingly, sometimes unwillingly, depending on the couple, right? (laughs) But most of the time, they're willingly giving you their entire world, the the person and the purpose that they are here to someone else. And there's a sense of loss that comes with that. And people react to grief really differently. And so when I think parents are overbearing with wedding planning or they're not the kindest or, you know, they don't really know how to help you, it's because they are processing their own loss and they don't really know how to help themselves right now. So I think it's worth, you know, mentioning and keeping in the back of your mind that your wedding, while it's a beautiful day and, and, you know, it's, it's meant for the two of you and God, it's your parents are losing someone. Yeah. And that's hard. And I think, I mean, would you say like in your professional opinion, like Mm -hmm. does, does their 
the feeling of ambiguous loss, like sometimes inform the decisions that they make in terms of like the planning process and they, like the actions that they take where we might not understand why our parents are doing what they're doing, but like, is that something that could inform something like decisions or actions that they're taking that we might be like, what the heck are you doing? Why are you making my life <laughs> yeah. so difficult? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Because I think in those moments, you're not thinking, your emotions take over. And so when you are really scared of something or really scared of a change, or you're really missing somebody, you latch on to what's comfortable. And so for them, sometimes they make these decisions and you're like, what are you doing? This is my wedding. I don't want to do this. Or, you know, I, I don't want it to look this way. I don't want it to sound this way, whatever it might be. That's them like just trying to scrape onto whatever little piece of you they have left. Um, so I think having a conversation about that too with them in the very beginning saying like, I know this is a big transition for you too. When you feel that way, instead of making hasty decisions or hasty remarks, tell me that, that you're scared or tell me that you're already missing me. You know, the more open and the more honest you are with the communication with the people in your life while you're doing this, it's going to make things so much easier. Yeah. Thank you so much, Alexa, for all of that. I think it is, it is really hard to, you know, for for both like the couple that has had experienced loss, but also to think about that, like you said, ambiguous losses is just important to consider, you know, when you're, you're considering your own high emotions as you're planning your wedding, but also being considerate of, like you said, like the parents' emotions, you know, as they're, you know, losing, I'm using air quotes, they're, you know, their child. Yeah. Um, I think too, like this isn't always their big first loss, right? So like, if you go to college and you move away there, like they kind of already have some experience with letting you go. But if this is like your first time ever leaving home, and I know for some couples it is, that's that's a big adjustment for both yeah. of you. Yeah. Okay. So kind of moving away from uh, loss, mm -hmm. um, let's talk a little bit about bridal party. Because sometimes I see this from like when I walk into a bridal suite on a wedding day, and there's a very large bridal party and you're like, oh, there's a lot of different personalities here. There's a lot of different dynamics that are happening. And oh yes. Uh, so when it comes to like <laughs> bridal party and like usually the guys are like, don't care. They're whatever. Like the worst thing I've seen happen from a guy is like a guy is just late to prep or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, do you have any advice for like if there's any bridal party drama or maybe like some of your bridal party isn't Catholic and that, I don't know, the idea of like walking into a Catholic church is like, I don't know, triggering <laughs> to them or something. Air quotes triggering. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I am officially doing yeah. air quotes here for yeah. that word. <laughs> um, so speaking from experience, my bridal party was 11 plus me making 12 on the girl side, 11 plus Joseph making 12 on the boy side. And out of those 12, including myself, there were three Catholic and it was me, myself, and our other sister, Maria. <laughs> or not me, myself, me, you, and our other sister, Maria. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So um, very early on, knowing that that could cause some questions and confusion and knowing what some of they had, some of them have been through with the church or with religion growing up, I had separate meetings or not even meetings, but like I would have separate intentional time with each of them. And just kind of map it out. Say like, hey, I just want you to know before you say yes to this, before you even like say, yes, I'll be part of this. I just want you to know what it entails. And just giving them kind of the rundown of what mass looks like, 
um, how long it's going to be, the standing and sitting, how, you know, like I think just giving them as much information as possible um, was really, really helpful. And I had one that ended up kind of backing out towards the end. Um, I don't know that it was mostly mass based, but I think that had something to do with it, um, which is fine. You know, if that's not what you're comfortable with, I would rather you tell me before than, you know, day of, week of. So, but that intentional time to sit down with each of them and just, again, be really clear in your expectations. Say like, if this is not something that you feel like you can handle, I don't want you to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation. Of course, you'll still be invited, but, you know, you have to think about yourself as well. Um, I think that was helpful for some of them. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense because I do think like, unfortunately, like some people have had really bad experiences with the church. So the idea of walking into a church, whether it's a Catholic church or not, you know, they, they have, Mm -hmm. might have a Protestant background, but maybe they have like a really bad history with their Protestant church growing up or something. And so like, they think they're going to get struck by lightning if they walk into a church again or something. (laughs) Yes. Or burst into flames. (laughs) Yeah. Which I've like heard and I'm always like, ha ha ha, but like, that's not going to happen. You're going to be fine. Um, right. You know, but for some people, it's like a very real reality that they're like really like uncomfortable walking into a church. And like, like you said, giving them the option, like, hey, I would love for you to stand by my side, you know, as my bridesmaid on my wedding day. But if that makes you really uncomfortable, like I would still love for you to celebrate with us. Like if you don't want to come to the mass, then like just come to the reception then mm-hmm. or, you know, or if you like just don't want to be standing up front with, you know, with us, then, you know, we would still love for you to be there, but you can just sit in the back where maybe you're more comfortable or something or stay in the narthex, yeah. whatever. Yeah. I think too, people are more likely to, I don't even want to say like revolt, but like rebel in like that, that group setting where it's like very structured when they are not given a choice, like when they're forced into it. So like, I don't want to force any of them to say, okay, yes, you're going to be here for probably an hour and a half. You're going to be standing, you're going to be sitting, you're going to kneel. Like, here are the prayers that you can say with us. Um, You know, when you go up to receive communion, you could cross your arms and receive a blessing. Um, And so knowing that they had that choice, I think was helpful too, because then none of them were like, oh, I don't want to do this. No, I'm going to do the complete opposite. You know, like they're like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'll go with the flow. I'll do whatever you need me to. Yeah. Which I it like, I think says something about like the friends that you choose. Cause like our bridal yes. party, we had like on my side, my, um, like one of my bride's people, cause he was a guy was, is Jewish. So like totally like no context yeah. for what a Catholic mass looks like, you know, but he was like so respectful and it was fine. Um, you mm-hmm. know, but there was some like discussion of, Hey, this is what it looks like. And then on the guy side, my brothers were there who were Catholic and then like the other two guys were b- raised Baptist. So they were also like, I don't really know what to expect. But yeah, basically exactly like you said, just like setting up the expectations. Hopefully your friends are love you enough to be like, I recognize that mass is important to you. And so I'm not going to throw fit about having to go to this hour and a half long ceremony to celebrate your your marriage. Yeah, I think too, weddings bring out some of the best and some of the worst in people. And I think that you know, reassessing your relationships and really being honest. Typically, your bridal party will not have drama if the people in your bridal party love and respect you for who you are. And so if you're having those hiccups in your bridal party or in your groomsmen party, you know, like it's important to assess those relationships and say like, okay, is this something that is just now related to stress um, is it an uncomfortableness with the church or is this something that's always been an issue in our relationship mm. and maybe something that needed to be addressed 
a while back, but we just did it because confrontation is scary. We don't like to do that unless we absolutely have to. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I do think sometimes you can tell that there's like drama between some of the bridesmaids. Somebody wished that they should have been the maid of honor and they're not or something like that. I don't know. (laughs) Yes. And it's uncomfortable. I bet like from you, I I couldn't even imagine some of the uncomfortable positions you've been put in or have had to hear like as you're working, you know, like the stuff you hear in the background. I, I imagine that you probably have encountered a lot of that where it's like, yeah, I mean, it does happen. It does happen. So like, I mean, what would, what advice would you give a bride who's trying to manage the different personalities in the bridal party? I think accepting the fact that not everybody is going to click or get along is really important Mm. because you can kind of have people form subgroups almost or other people that they're comfortable speaking with, but also there's a way to speak to somebody when they have wronged you or upset you, you know, it's not always about what you say, but it's how you say it. Um, And so there's some really interesting like rules about fair fighting, if you will, and like how you kind of how you face that confrontation in healthy ways. So like for fair fighting, for instance, you never want to speak in a way that places blame on somebody. So I don't know, like um, if somebody had, gotten the wrong dress, you know, and you were like really, really frustrated with them and they didn't really care. Instead of being like, you know, you're doing this, you're hurting my feelings, you know, placing a lot of blame. Like, why did you do this to me? You're making my life so much harder. Staying, saying instead, using like an I feel sentence structure of, hey, I feel really, really stressed right now with all the wedding planning I'm doing. And I would like you to have the same dress as the other girls. Or I feel really upset or hurt when you, you know, go off on your own or don't follow the, don't follow what we're doing for the group because this is how I want it. Right. And that sounds so much nicer than being like, why aren't you listening to me? Why don't you care? Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, Alexa, do you have any like resources for people who are want to know more about like setting boundaries, setting expectations with like family and friends? Do you have any kind of resources that you can offer for people who are listening? Yeah, so I've got some resources that I can send to you that you can kind of they're all PDFs, so you can like link them. Um, okay. In the, in the show, if you want, and um, they're really really helpful. And they're you know it's not like um, like they're not like self-help books, right? Like these are like, this is research stuff saying like, okay, if you're going to fight with somebody, here's the best way to do it. Or if you want to set boundaries, here are some tips on how to do it in a healthy way. Um, And it's just some good little reminders too. Even if it's not wedding planning, like, you know, you're, you're marrying this person, there's going to be conflict or confrontation that you're going to have to work through this, this fair fighting and the rules there are really, really important for that as well. Communication is important. Passive aggressiveness is important. So like, all of that yeah. I can I can give you some resources for. Yeah, that'll be great. And we'll we'll link everything down mm-hmm. in the show notes below. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my last question for you, Alexa, yes. is is it was there anything else you wanted to touch on? Um I think I put everything in on my list. Yeah. Okay, cool. So my last question for you, Alexa, <laughs> we ask this to all of our guests is okay. and you've you've been married for a few years now. Uh, yes. What is one piece of advice you would give to a newly engaged couple? Oh, engagement. It's such a special time because it's temporary and it's so short. Um, 
and it goes by really fast. So obviously I feel like everybody's like, don't rush it, you know, like enjoy the moment, take all the pictures, buy all the stuff that says bride, you know, like do all the cutesy things because those are going to be memories that you have. But also remember that like while your wedding planning society tells you that, you know, the other person doesn't care or that, okay, this is all going to be dumped on you but your fiance does care. They might just not, they might not know how to express it. So like giving them options or even jobs being like, okay, you're going to handle the DJ because I know how much you love music or what alcohol do you want there? Like giving them choices makes them feel like they're also helping. And I think that's so important for them too, because it's their day as well. And like a lot of people overlook the the husband and they, you know, they really go yeah. or the groom, they really go to the bride. Um, was their day too. So like letting them vocalize how they want things done and not just like shutting down their ideas if it doesn't match your aesthetic or like your vision, right? Because there are ways to compromise there. Um, and then this is advice that my mother-in-law, so your mom gave me during planning, um, is just to remember that as overwhelming as it can feel, your day is going to be perfect for the two of you. It might not be perfect for everybody else there. There may be hiccups that they know about, but it'll be the perfect day for the two of you. And that's all that matters. Or the three of you, right? Oh, yeah. Mom said that. Oh, she so did. Sweet. You go, she mom. Did. Love you. You yeah. don't listen to our She's podcast, but love you, mom. <laughs> she just got Spotify. Maybe she will. Oh, this is true. Yeah. Would you guys believe that? We, okay. So my, this is totally unrelated to everything, but I'm going to tell you anyway. My, our youngest brother, randomly sent in our family group text he was like hey there's a family mix thing on spotify like everybody <laughs> should join it so everybody joined it and it's basically like this thing where spotify takes everybody's different like tastes and preferences and it like compiles a playlist and the playlist has a good mix of like things that multiple people like but also a couple of things that each individual person likes and it's just so fun to listen to and try to guess wh- which song belongs to which people and my mom didn't have a Spotify. So everybody was like talking about the family mix. And she was like, oh, I guess I have to get a Spotify. <laughs> Peer pressure at its finest. <laughs> so you're right. Now mom has a Spotify. Yeah. Maybe she'll start yes. listening. Maybe she'll listen, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's too funny. Even yeah. though mom's been married for, I don't know what, like 30 something years now. I was going to say 32, 33, I 45. Know. I don't know. And no, it's, I think it's 33. Because I got married three years before they had me. Okay, so yeah. Three years. Yeah. Anyway, Aww. unrelated. Maybe you didn't care about it, but we're <laughs> telling you anyway. <laughs> well, Alexa, thank you so much for being on today's episode of the podcast. Where can people find you if they maybe have questions or they want to learn more? So LinkedIn is going to be the easiest way to find me. So you can find me on LinkedIn at Alexa Puccio Ball. Um, yeah, and I'm pretty active on there. So come ask questions okay, awesome. or I'll send resources or I can recommend, you know, different people in um in the area. Or if you're looking for somebody specific for families, like let me know. I can get you some resources over there. So awesome. Well, we'll make sure we yeah. linked in your link. We'll link your <laughs> linked in in the show notes below. Wow, Perfect. I don't know why that That's was so hard twister. to say. <laughs> <laughs> um funny. Well, thanks for tuning into today's episode, guys. Uh, We hope that this was helpful to you. We hope that 
it like encourages you in some way to and empowers you to really have these difficult conversations with like family or friends if you're really struggling in your wedding planning. Uh, we would love, love, love to hang out with you, to meet you on the Catholic Wedding Podcast um, on Instagram. Actually, it's just at Catholic Wedding Podcast on Instagram. And you can also join our, our Facebook group, The Catholic Bride, where we have a ton of brides who are planning for marriage and some groups too. And also lots of wedding vendors who are all there to help. Um, Marie from White Lily Weddings is in there as well. And she's pretty active on responding um, to any kind of wedding planning questions you have. But anyway, that's all we have for you guys today. And we'll see you in the next episode. Bye.